Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Grid and Carving It Up YouTube channels. I am Bryson Carver, as always, and we have got an absolutely loaded show on tap for you guys tonight. Ryan Flowers of Clutch Sports Talk, great buddy of mine, uh, actually one of the very first guests to ever come on Carving Up Live. Fun fact, that was about two and a half years ago, November of 2020. I'll never forget it. He is going to be joining the show uh, in about 25 minutes to talk all things NFL draft. If you follow him on social media, you, you know that he's putting a, a ton of draft content in regards to players that he's he's looking at. He's doing some film breakdowns on his YouTube channel, Clutch Sports Talk. Be sure to check all that stuff out on his channel and on the Grid Network. Also, NBA playoff weaknesses. I've done this for the NFL the last two years. Uh, this is the second time I've done it for the NBA. About, you know, there's no perfect team. Everybody's got a weakness that somebody can exploit. I'll talk about that later in the show. I always love doing it. I did it last year. I was pretty accurate. NFL this year, I went darn near perfect on my playoff weaknesses. Also going to do my uh, NBA award predictions. I should have a segment every year at this time. You know, I've got my uh, my favorite segment during the uh, during the football what season. I man. Need to have a segment called "If I Had a Vote." If I were a voting man or something like that, which I—I I mean, I do vote. I'm legally able to vote. I'm talking. I had an NBA vote. NBA vote. MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, all the NBA awards, even the new one, Clutch Player of the Year, which I, I really like this year. I, I think we should give players props for coming up big when their team needs them most. And for the first time, I'm carving it up. I will give my first, second, and third All NBA teams. Uh, really had fun putting this together, and uh, we'll see what you guys think about that later in the show. And then I'll get to the Zion Williamson situation uh, in my second segment. It is just an absolute travesty what has happened with him what happened with the pelicans whose uh whose season came to an end last night i i really like the pelicans you know going into the season and uh their season is no more at the hands of the oklahoma city thunder so i'll get into that on my seg second segment but i gotta start the show with the los angeles lakers so i came into this season i said i believe the lakers will be the eighth seed i did not know that they would make the trades at the deadline that they would make I was quite stunned that they were able to move on from Russell Westbrook, that they were able to move on from guys like Patrick Beverly, who was, you could argue, just as much of a liability as Russ was, and then bringing in guys like Jared Vanderbilt, who's been incredible, like Beasley, Mobamba, 
Great Pete D'Angelo Russell, great pieces who have really helped them get to this point. And coming out of the All-Star break, as I've said numerous times this season, I said, well, I love the trades made by one Rob Palenka. Two months feels like too little a time to really build some team chemistry, see what you got, see what you, well, what rotations you want to use and what spots. Uh, and I said it was just too little time. And then about two, three weeks ago, I said, you know what? Screw it. LeBron's coming back. He's playing as well as ever in year 20. Anthony Davis has had one of the best seasons of his career. And you've got a Lakers roster that is as deep as any in the NBA, especially as it pertains to shooting and wing depth, which is huge in the NBA. So I decided to buy into them as a contender. They were in the play-in tournament, which is a big accomplishment for them considering where they were. I mean, they were the 13th seed for a big portion of this season. Now they sit here today. They are in the playoffs after beating the Minnesota Timberwolves in overtime by a final score of 108-102. to I was pretty close to the final score. They got 109-104 Lakers, so pretty close on the final score. But the Lakers are in. They will face the Grizzlies in round one. I'll get more into that matchup on tomorrow's show with the other playoff matchups. But... I don't know if it's because it's the Lakers and they are the biggest brand, the most popular team in the NBA. I don't know if it's LeBron James, who's obviously still, I think, the most popular player in the NBA. I'd say it's LeBron and Steph Curry, the most well-known names, well-known faces in the league. Uh, and obviously LeBron, in my view, is the greatest player of all time. In the minds of a lot of other people, he is. In the minds of other people, he'll never pass Jordan. But he's certainly a polarizing athlete in that regard. I don't know if it's all of that combined or just an issue on an individual level. I was actually quite surprised at the negativity that came out of this Lakers win. Maybe it's because we have them under the microscope of the 2020 bubble season. Or no, I should say bubble season because they didn't spend the whole season in the bubble. But the bubble playoffs when they won the championship down in Disney World. When that team basically blew through everybody, beat Portland in five, beat Houston in five, beat Denver in five, and then the most lopsided six-win, uh, six-game series you'll ever see when they beat the Miami Heat in the finals. Maybe we're trying to hold them to that standard. Maybe still we're holding LeBron in year 20 to like year 11 LeBron, like back when he was in Miami. I don't know if that plays factor. Whatever the case may be, believe it or not, I was actually quite encouraged by what I saw with the Lakers the other night. So, <laughs> again, I keep reiterating, in year 20, LeBron James gave you a 30, 10, and 6. Not to mention, and people say, well, yeah, he scored three in the fourth quarter. But it was the biggest three, you could argue, of the game outside of Schroeder's what should have been game winner if Anthony Davis hadn't had, as LeBron called it, a brain fart. With a second and a half left, uh, fouling Mike Conley. But LeBron hit the tying three to tie it at 95. Lakers go on to win in overtime. And you could say, yes, he got careless with the basketball. He did have a number of turnovers, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter and in overtime. But could we attribute some of that to the fact that LeBron James in year 20 on his ninth game coming back from injury played 45 minutes? I was actually quite encouraged by what I saw before you lose your minds, collective minds, Anthony Davis. Take away that foul, which by the way, obviously if the Timberwolves win that game in overtime, that's all anybody's talking about is the boneheaded foul by Anthony Davis on Mike Conley in the corner. Again, I've seen, I saw a lot of Lakers comparing it to the Mavericks situation when he fouled Max, Maxi Kleba and they ended up costing them the game. Later on when Kleba hit the buzzer beater. I understand that. 
But Anthony Davis, you know what he did? Carl Anthony Towns, who obviously absent Rudy Gobert, was the Timberwolves' only true big. Obviously, Nas Reed is, our, is, is out probably for the season with injury as well. He got cat into foul trouble. Matter of fact, he literally drew the fifth foul on Carl Anthony Towns. And so he was never really as effective as you would hope for Cat to be as the game progressed. He was never able to really build a rhythm, particularly in the second half. Uh, he wasn't that effective defensively because he didn't want to foul out of the game. So Anthony Davis used his physicality to his advantage. As a matter of fact, AD had more offensive rebounds than the entire Minnesota Timberwolves team. So AD was active on the glass. Again, he fin- what he finished with, 24 and 15? I- I'm sorry, I'll take that. If you listen, if you're expecting 32 and 16, okay. You know, if, if he averages that, the Lakers could be as dangerous a team as anybody in the postseason. But given the expectations, given how we've often seen Anthony Davis come up kind of small in these moments, I'll take 24 and 15 with you getting the other team's best player in foul trouble. And I'm hearing a lot of people say, well, Anthony Edwards went three for 17. Is it out of bounds for me to say that? Maybe some of the credit goes to the Lakers in that regard. Listen, Anthony Edwards, well, he's tremendous. I, di- I didn't love Anthony Edwards out of the draft in 2020. He's proved me wrong. Kid is outstanding. He is only in the third year of his career. He's barely in his 20s. Okay, the kid can barely drink. And the Lakers, who have been arguably the best defense in basketball since they made all those moves at the deadline. Again, I, I forgot to mention Rui Hachimura, who they traded for about a month before the deadline. All these long, rangy defenders who, again, offensively can knock down the three gave Ant some serious issues. So if nothing else, my mindset is, okay, LeBron gave you a 30-point double-double, as did Anthony Davis, a 24-point double-double rather for AD. AD was great on defense. LeBron was excellent on defense in the final minutes when he really needed to be great. Dennis Schroeder obviously had that big shot in the corner. I, I don't know. I mean, if Anthony Davis doesn't foul, this game doesn't go to overtime because I doubt Mike Conley makes that shot over the outstretched arms of one AD who has basically a seven-foot wingspan. You've got to win ugly in the playoffs. Again, at this time of year, you don't get points for winning pretty. You don't. Trust me, as a Warriors fan, seen a lot of ugly wins over the course of the last nine years throughout this dynasty. You don't care. <laughs> it is win. It is kind of like March Madness, survive and advance. It doesn't matter how you win. You win, you moved on. Part of it, too, might have been the fact that the Lakers were, to me, the fact that this line was where it was, to me, was crazy. The line opened Lakers minus 7.5. It went up to Lakers minus 8.5. I'm like, what, what is going on with people? Who on earth would, in their right mind, would bet the Lakers to cover? And obviously, the Timberwolves got out to that early lead. Lakers made the comeback in the fourth quarter, closed them out in OT. Listen, Minnesota, as I kept saying on Monday's show, watch out. There's no pressure on them. They're not supposed to win this game. They're better without Rudy Gobert, as the numbers have overwhelmingly shown. Yeah, it was going to be a tough game. Never forget, this same Minnesota Timberwolves team took the 57-win Grizzlies six games and could have easily won that series. Again, I'll get into my playoff weaknesses later in the show. When I get to Minnesota... Their weaknesses are going to have a lot to do with should have won the game. Just a little preview for later on uh, on today's today's episode. But that's how you got to win the NBA. You got to win ugly. LeBron gave you what LeBron tends to give you in these big do-or-die games. Obviously, it wasn't do-or-die if the Lakers lost. Their season wouldn't have been over. They'd have played tomorrow night. But this was big for the Lakers. They get four and a half days, an older team, or I should say 
an older LeBron James and an Anthony Davis who struggles to stay healthy get four days off. Game one in Memphis, and then game two, I think, uh, against the Grizzlies, either on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's on Wednesday uh, in Memphis. I'm Listen, this is, to me, I, I'm working on my playoff predictions. This is one of the toughest series to me to predict because both teams are so drastically different in how they play. And the question is, whose style of play will sort of, I don't want to say overwhelm the other, but I guess that's where to use overwhelm the opposition. But the Lakers can absolutely beat the Memphis Grizzlies. There's no question about it. There's dangerous as seven seed as we've ever had in the postseason. Um, and I, again, I don't know why people were so down about the Lakers. Very close. Kind of pull it out of the fire win, if you will. This is a good Timberwolves team. This is the Lakers defense that has been tremendous over the last month and a half since the deadline. And you saw that from Anthony Edwards, and you saw that at times from Carl Anthony Towns of the second half. So I, I, I'm not at in any way, shape, or form discouraged uh, by, by what I saw from the Lakers on Tuesday night. I still buy into this contenders, and I still feel like this team can absolutely come out of the Western Conference. Absolutely. I trust them more than Denver. I trust them, honestly, more than Memphis. I don't know if they can beat Memphis necessarily just due to the talent gap, but this isn't exactly LeBron James' first rodeo. And Anthony Davis, he understands, as any player does with any self-awareness, he understands the pressure that comes with this stage and how he can really change the narrative about himself if he were to play excellent in the postseason. If he does, because we know LeBron, as long as he stays healthy, Lakers are a problem. There's no question about it. Got a comment here from Patrick Brown, who hosts a Lakers podcast, the Forum uh, podcast on The Grid. Patrick says, Lakers turned it around and finished with the best record since the All-Star break. We here now. And he's got a purple and gold heart uh, at the end. Again, I simply ask, and... I often ask this question, regardless of the sport, whether it comes to individual matchups, I usually use this question more than in baseball, and then in basketball or football or any sport, in terms of team matchups. Do you think the Grizzlies are... Okay, let's put it this way. Would the Grizzlies have rather played Minnesota or Los Angeles? You tell me. Who cares what Dylan Brooks says? Dylan Brooks doesn't know what he's talking about, okay? He, he said he wants LeBron. Cool, LeBron's going to torch him. We know that. Who do you think the Grizzlies, deep down in their hearts, wanted? I mean, do you think they're act exactly, you know, looking forward? Sure, looking forward to the challenge, but looking forward to, dang, we had this great regular season for the second year in a row, and our reward is we get to play, as Patrick said, the best team since the All-Star break, record-wise. Just saying. That's a dangerous team in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm here to tell you. I've, I've seen, listen, I get it. No, I don't think a seven seed has ever gotten to the NBA Finals, certainly in the modern era. I know the lowest seed was actually the eight seed Knicks in 99, but that was the lockout season. It was, it was a weird year in the NBA, not to put an asterisk next to them or anything, because I don't believe in asterisks, except next to a team that, like, that cheated, like the 2017 Astros. That's, that's the only spot where I believe in asterisks, because in that case, you could say there's an asterisk next to every champion or runner-up, for that matter. Lakers are a dangerous team the postseason. This Memphis series should be fun. No question. Team that's won it all three, uh, two and a half years ago against a team that is aspiring to. Has the talent, although they do have some liabilities. Ja on defense and Dylan Brooks on both ends. But it'll be fun. No question. Can't wait for Sunday afternoon. <clears throat> Moving on to a team that before the season began, I thought could make a run to the postseason. 
Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think I might have had them winning a series. If I remember back to my NBA preview show back in October, I hosted that with with Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. And I think I had Minnesota getting in as like a six seed, beating Denver and then losing to like Memphis or Golden State. I think it was to Golden State in the second round of the playoffs. And obviously, the Pelicans did not live up to expectations. Their season's over, which is, I feel like, not getting enough attention today for how surprising that it is. I mean, you got to keep in mind, 26 games, and that's a big sample size, 26 games in the season, the Pelicans were the one seed in the West. They had the best record in the Western Conference. Uh, and, and then over the last, you know, over the last uh, second, the second half plus, just totally fell apart. Uh, they weren't as good defensively. They had some. They had a really long. I think it was like eleven game losing streak. Something crazy. I mean, it was bad. Uh, CJ McCollum dealt with injuries. Brandon Ingram was out for twenty odd games. Uh, and obviously, the main story and what we're going to focus on today is the fact that Zion Williamson once again was not available when his team absolutely needed him. Now, Zion is a guy I started carving up four months after Zion was drafted in two thousand nineteen. So. I was doing my show by the time Zion made his debut. I think it was in January. I think it was in January of 2020. I remember he played the Spurs and had a, like a big fourth quarter. And I loved Zion out of the draft. Loved him. Is he? I was like, is he great defensively? No. Can he shoot? No. Both of those qualities can be fixed. Like those, those, it's not a mindset issue that I was worried about. It wasn't a, can his body hold up in the NBA? I'm like, oh no, his body can hold up in the NBA. Like he's, he, he, Zion's not out here going get, to be getting bullied around. Exactly. That, it's not like Chet Holmgren. Uh, coming out of Gonzaga, going to Oklahoma City. But I'm like, his offensive game is as difficult to stop as there is. He's got a good handle, solid passer. He can improve defensively. He can improve his shot if he puts the work in. His defense and his shot are the last thing I'm worried about right now. We're four years in. It's a good sample size. Four years in for Zion Williamson. His rookie season. Of the 72 games the New Orleans Pelicans played, Zion Williamson played 24. His next year was his only durable year in the NBA. It was the shortened 72-game season due to COVID. Zion played 61 of 72. You'll take that any day of the week. Last year, over. The New Orleans Pelicans played, let me do the math, 90 games last year if you include the play-in and the playoffs. Zion Williamson did not suit up for one. And then this year, Pelicans played 83 games, if you include the play-in tournament game against the Thunder last night. 29 of 83. So Zion Williamson, over the course of his, uh, again, he's, he's as talented a player as there is in the NBA. He's played under 50% of his games. What am I supposed to do with that? He's shown an inability to take care of his body, to even... Look like he cares to take care of his body. Now, is his offensive game as hard to stop as, as there is in the NBA? Absolutely, which is exactly what I said was going to be the case in the NBA. I mean, he's, he's put, in terms of efficiency, guys putting up like wilt numbers. Obviously, Zion is not wilt, but in terms of efficiency, it's close. But this is the second year in a row now with the Pelicans, who I believe are one of the more talented young rosters in the NBA. Obviously, you got the veteran leadership of a guy like C.J. McCollum. I love Brandon Ingram. The, what, how he has blossomed and developed since he came to the league in 2016 has been incredible to watch. He's as good of a scorer as there is in, in the NBA, certainly around his, his, his age range. I think Brandon's like 25, 26, something like that. 
You've got guys like Trey Murphy, who's a knockdown three-point shooter, Herb Jones, uh, Jose Alvarado, when he's healthy, is one of the better uh, guard defenders in the NBA. And to say I love their coach, Willie Green, is an understatement. Now, some of that might be Warriors bias because he comes from the Steve Kerr system, but Willie Green has to help develop that team into one of the more exciting you know, watches in the NBA when they're on. But again, second year in a row now, where the Pelicans have kind of been waiting, waiting, waiting. Is Zion going to come back? Is he not? And he's not there. Again, has not played since January 2nd. Hamstring issues, lack of a commitment to rehab. Again, there's, the weight has always been a concern, especially for the last couple of years. I have been on this for about a year. I remember saying this after last year's playoffs. I think I said it during the draft show with, with Mike Guido and Barry Grant Jr. Uh, last year. Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram do not fit together as a duo. I always say, it's no coincidence that Brandon Ingram's first All-Star appearance, 2020, Zion Williamson only played 24 games. So he was barely there. Brandon Ingram made the All-Star game. The next year, both B.I. and Zion were mostly healthy throughout the season. Zion made an All-Star game. Ingram didn't. Zion did not play a single game the following season. B.I. was not an All-Star, but he was unbelievable in the postseason, particularly against the Phoenix Suns in the first round. He was outstanding. They, they couldn't guard him. In fact, I mean, they were throwing bodies at him all over the place. Mikel Bridges, who was one of the better wing defenders in the league, didn't matter. Got whatever he wanted whenever he wanted it. And then this year. B.I. was significantly better absent Zion. It's two on-ball guys who are not great playing off the ball. Again, B.I. is a good three-point shooter, but mostly off the dribble. Like, kind of has to create his own shot in order to get a good look from three. He's not really a catch-and-shoot guy necessarily. Zion has never been a shooter and has to create his own shot. It's the same reason I said Luka and Kyrie wouldn't work. It's two on-ball guys who aren't good off the ball. For them, they're both bad defenders. Brandon's a okay, okay defender. Zion is a terrible defender. It's time to trade Zion Williamson. It's time. His stock, there's, listen, there will be plenty of takers. You don't think the Knicks, you don't think the Knicks, as bad as they've wanted him reportedly ever since he was coming out of Duke in 2019, you don't think the Knicks wouldn't take a, a, a risk on him? You don't think any of these potential contending teams out there wouldn't at least consider it? Trade him while his market is still high. A, you get a good return for him. B, that's a big contract off the books. And C, most importantly to me, it's kind of that cloud hanging over the Pelicans that's gone. I'll use this example. Think about 2019 with the Golden State, my Golden State Warriors. Just for a month stretch. Now, keep in mind, they were the back-to-back -back champions looking for a three-peat, and they were the best team in the NBA, the most watched team in the NBA in 2019, and it was the playoffs. But you remember when Kevin Durant went out with injury against Houston in the second round? It was game five. And from that point on, all the way until he unfortunately tore his Achilles in game five of the finals against Toronto, it was always things. KD come back? Is he coming back? Is he coming back this game? He's practicing. Oh, he's doing five and five, three and three. No, he's not ready yet. Is it Achilles? Is it a calf? It was always players getting asked about it. Reportedly, some players speculated about whether KD was ready to go and just wasn't playing yet, which I thought was absurd. But that was all. The, it was a dark cloud hanging over the Warriors. And you could see mentally, in terms of body language, 
it seemed to kind of wear the guys out, wear Stephen Clay and Draymond Iguodala out, wear Steve Kerr out, wear Bob Myers out, the general manager and the ownership. The Pelicans have dealt with that for two years now. It's time to pull the plug. Do I think Zion can still be an effective player in the NBA? Of course, he's got as much talent as anybody that's in the league. But don't make the same mistake that the Philadelphia 76ers made with Ben Simmons, where you trade him when it's really too late. Now, to the Sixers' credit, they got a great return, a great package of return. They got James Harden. And while I have many concerns about Harden in the postseason, there's nobody in their right mind that would take Ben Simmons today over James Harden. Nobody. I don't care how you know Harden struggle in the postseason. You're still taking him even today over a guy like Ben Simmons, who has not improved his game one iota since coming into the league. The same can be said about Zion Williamson. Move on from him while you can. One of the things I love about what Willie Green has done is he has appeared to build a true culture in the NBA. This is just a continued dark cloud cloud hanging over that. They need to go ahead and move on. Couple comments here before we get to our guest on the show. Patrick Brown says New Orleans put stipulations in his contract to protect themselves. This is a crucial offseason for the Pelicans. 100%. Listen, New Orleans is a phenomenal city. Again, part of the reason I was a little bit concerned about Zion going there is because, listen, New Orleans food is different. Listen, I know, I know New York's got good food, all these. New Orleans food, whole different ballgame. Southern food in general. Trust me, take it from me. I'm a Southern kid. Okay, Southern food's different. Um, but, I mean, yeah, that's. That's a great point, Patrick. They they kind of deep down knew what was coming, and here we are. Barry's in the comments. What's up, Barry? says, uh, Pelicants need to read them, rid themselves of the dead weight. <laughs> See what I did? That's that's good. That's, that, that's good. The dead weight. Oh, my goodness. That's a, that's not bad, Barry. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of a disaster. It's going to New Orleans. I, I don't think they're getting enough credit for how disappointing of a season that this truly was. Okay, so... We are two weeks away from the first round of the NFL draft, uh, which is crazy. And you've got as many good young quarterback prospects as you've had coming in. Uh, there's a highly touted running back out of Texas named B. John Robinson, who's highly touted. You've got some good defensive players. I really like Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. And uh, it, it, it's going to be fun. And I'll get into more what we're going to do here at the grid a little later on the show uh, in terms of the draft. But let's get our draft expert on the show because if you haven't been following Ryan Flowers as of late on social media, TikTok, Instagram, the whole bit, guy has been absolutely grinding doing film review or uh, you know film reviews of certain prospects, doing like these 90 second breakdowns of what they are. Um so let's let's go and bring him on the show to discuss all things NFL draft. Would you please welcome Ryan Flowers to Carving It Up Live. Ryan, what is up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing well, Bryson, man. Thanks for having me on again today. It's very exciting to have you on. And I don't know if I've ever had you on to talk strictly draft, but you have absolutely poured yourself into uh, this process over the last month or so. Um, so let's just, let's just get right into it. Obviously, the big stories as it is with every draft, I'd say last year being the exception, is the quarterbacks. And the debate between who the Panthers should right. take with the number one pick, it's C.J. Stroud, it's Bryce Young, Ohio State, Alabama, respectively. Both are very different prospects. Um, both play the game. Uh, I mean, heck, physically, they, they look extremely different. What would you say, let's start with Stroud out of Ohio State. What would you say off what you've looked at on tape is the biggest thing that sticks out to you. Something that if the Panthers were considering taking a number one saying, hey, we like right. this about this kid. What did you see? 
the biggest thing for me on tape for Stroud is that he physically is an NFL quarterback, you know, and for people that don't know what that means, they're like, what does that mean? Like, does he look good? Whatever. No, what I mean by that, he has a prototypical body. He can see above the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he, he's, he's pretty accurate, actually. You know, I think for him, you know, his reluctantness to to run when he needs to run sometimes to get the extra yards. I don't expect him to be like a Lamar Jackson or a guy that's just going to run primarily, but I would expect him to get outside the pocket, pick up a first down if you need to. And he really showed that a lot against the the Georgia the Georgia game in the, yes. in the college football. Like that was probably the best game I've seen him play in college. And I know they lost, wasn't his fault, but against a good defense like that. So for me, his size, and I think he's just ready to play in the National Football League. Accuracy, I think, is the best way to describe him. And and you know, one can make the argument, hey, I mean, right. look at the look at the guys he's got around him. Marvin Harrison Jr., if he were eligible for this year's draft, I he's think would be a top pick. five pick. He'd be uh, number he one. Might, he, might, he might be the number one pick by, by, by Carolina if Chicago had stayed in their spot. Um right. you got obviously uh how do you say his name? Smith and Jigba. Yeah, Jackson Ohio. Smith and Jigba. Yeah. And phenomenal talent's gonna go in the first round. And so you can make that case with all the guys, right. Paris Johnson, the 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 left left tackle. Yeah. Um but sort of my case would be, like you said, he's got an NFL-ready body, and and this is what – we'll get to Anthony Richardson later, but this is one of my concerns about uh, Anthony Richardson is accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that, you know, in the NFL today, there's plenty of guys that are very su- successful yeah. that don't have necessarily massive arms. I think Joe Burrow comes to mind. Joe Burrow does not blow you away with his arm strength. Right. Um but he gets the ball to his to his guys on yeah. time and on target, and that's what C.J. Stroud did. Yeah. Again, Bryce Young is a very different prospect. He's more of a playmaker type of quarterback. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's about 5'9". Uh, I've read reports saying that he's even smaller than Kyler, which is a little bit concerning for me. Um, I, I certainly hope that's not the case, but certainly in terms of intangibles, yeah. leadership is, I think, head and shoulders above Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah. Um, what What have you seen about Bryce Young? Because more, the, more the more I've been looking at stuff about Bryce, the more I think I like him. You know, I like Bryce. I felt like if he was CJ in if he was in CJ Stroud's body, he'd be hands down the number one overall pick. But here's the thing with him: when you're when you're thinking about Bryce Young, from a character standpoint, you don't have to worry about him. Even CJ Stroud, I don't remember hearing anything major about him. But his size, man, that's that's a big problem. And he may work for a couple of years. We saw what Kyler Murray was able to do, you know, a couple of years with Arizona, and now. I think the wheels might be falling off the wagon there a little bit. He's getting injured. He's not fi- he's not finishing the seasons. Um, and you may catch lightning in a bottle for a short period of time, which is fine if you're an organization that wants to, do, to to live that way. If you feel like, you know what, we can get him for a couple couple years and see what we can do, and then four years from now, we're back in looking for a quarterback, that's fine too. I think we have to stop – we have to think and say, we don't have to find the guy for the next 10 years every time. It just doesn't happen that way. I right. think if from a GM, if I was a GM, I would say, you know what? If I'm going to take Bryce Young, I just got to know that he may not last about four years, and I may, I may need to start considering another guy. And if you're, and the question would be, well, why would you even draft him? Because you don't know anything about any of these guys. You you just don't. Right. And so for me, the only concern that I have for Bryce Young is this: his size, and can he withstand the the pounding and the grind of a National Football League schedule? You know, 18 games. Um, you may not have a great offensive line. You're not going to have guys from Alabama blocking for you, you know? So I don't know. And a point that I've made about Bryce, the you mentioned the size. I think that's everybody's number one concern yeah. with him. 
you know, a lot of the smaller quarterbacks are really struggling. You mentioned Kyler Murray, how he's yeah. this, this, you know, three straight seasons now where he's ended the season hurt. Yep. Uh, Russell Wilson struggled last year, really the last couple of years. You think about Baker Mayfield to it. Now yep. he's less athletic than those guys, but Baker right. struggled at times. And so that's that that's a legitimate concern with Bryce. I think I, I talked about this, I think last Friday on the show, that there was a report that the Panthers like love Bryce were like 95% potentially right. take with the number one pick. That was a report from Chris Mortensen. And sort of what my takeaway was, if you're a guy like Frank Wright, who obviously in Indianapolis, I, I thought did a solid job, especially the fact that he had a different quarterback every single year. Yep. Week one. Um, and a lot of guys who were steady, you know, your Phillip Rivers of the world, you know, your Carson Wentz to a certain degree, but never had that sort of, you know, talent that blew you away in terms of upside, in terms of playing right. ability. And I guess Frank might be saying, Hey, let I me, mean, I've got all the job security in the world. We might as well just go and take a swing on this guy. What, what's, what's sort of your thought of that from Carolina's perspective? You know, Carolina, actually, man, you know what? I know we're kind of getting far into the you know predictions of the season, but I think they're, they put together a really good offseason. They've made a lot yeah. of little subtle moves, and if people are going to just remember, oh, they got rid of DJ Moore. Okay, who cares, right? They got rid of CMC. They had him for years. They didn't do anything with him. You, right. you sign a guy like Miles Sanders. You go and get uh, Hayden Hurst, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, in free agency, um, who else did they add? I think they added DJ Chalk, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he's did. there too. Um, you know, and Frank Reich knows offense, right? So, you know, they're going to try to run the football. They're in, and on top, they're in a division that they can win. Right? Like Tampa Bay, they're not going to do anything. Atlanta, God knows what they're doing. And then the Saints, you know, they we don't know what they might do with Derek Carr. But to answer your question, you know, with the quarterback, I, me personally, can I just tell you who I think they should take? Is that all sure, right? Sure, go ahead. You know, CJ Stroud should be the guy they take. The more okay. and more I watch the film, and I get it, it's not all impressive, but I think he'll work best there. Um, you know, because he he throws a deep ball better than any of the, the guys that are in this draft, if not pretty much comparable, and just surrounding him with the rest of the talent that they have, and then whoever whoever else they, they take in the draft, I think that should be the direction. And as far as Bryce Young is concerned with them, I mean – I wouldn't be surprised if he slid, man. There's there's a good chance that Bryce may be like the third or fourth guy off the board, in my opinion. Really? And that's not, that might be a hot take because I I really fear that size is going to be a factor, man. We're seeing that you mentioned it. You've got Kyler, you got Baker. Russell, he's a small guy, but he's not a small guy. Like Bryson is like a is like a six-year-old playing in the National Football League. He's not a big dude. Like CJ sure. is six foot three. Like he's a big strapping guy. You look at Levis, you look at Anthony Richardson, those are big dudes. And and if I'm them, I don't know, man. Do I want to play that game? Like I said earlier, like, do I think he'll last two or three seasons and then we'll be right back in the market? Or do I take a guy that I think like Frank Reich is like a quarterback whisperer per, per se, I would say, but he's worked with 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 some talent and and maybe Stroud might be the best talent he's ever worked with altogether. That's fair. That, that That's fair. I see what you're saying. Now, uh, another SEC guy I want to get into, and I'm telling <laughs> you, I, I'm not I'm not near as high on him as everybody else, right. and that's Anthony Richardson. Um, right. I think completion percentage matters. Uh, I, I, I know, uh, again, I, I mentioned all the, the top prospects. All of them were, I think, at least in the mid-60s in yeah. completion percentage. He couldn't even get to 55%. Yeah, he's low. Um and, you know, I, I think his mechanics are a little off uh, when, when you compare him to other quarterbacks. I think when you look at the fact that the talent that he had at Florida, which obviously we're not going to pretend like it's Georgia talent or it's Alabama talent. Right, 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 but right. 
this is Florida. This is the Southeastern Conference, and they yeah, went they got six guys. and six. Uh, right. I'm not one of those guys who's like, oh, he's a winner. Well, yeah, he went to Ohio State or Clemson. Yeah, of course he's a winner. He's a winner. Right. It's kind of hard. I'm not, a, I'm not big on that either. A hundred percent. But I do think with the talent that he had going six and six, the completion percentage, I think that matters. What's sort of your take on Anthony Richardson? Because he seems to be, at least in my view, the most polarizing prospect. He is. And with him, he's the he's the work in progress. Like, he's raw. Like, he doesn't have a lot of experience. I, I think he's only started one one full season, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and they don't ask him to do a lot. In Florida, they asked him to just kind of roll out, play action, stuff like that. His accuracy is a concern because he does not throw accurate between the short and intermediate routes. He just sucks. Like, he kind of reminds me of our guy Dak. Like, Dak can okay. complete a 45-yard a bomb, right? No problem. But to ask him to complete, like, a five-yard hitch, it's like, you ask him to throw the David Tyree Hail Mary from Eli Manning. It's like, oh my God. So that's my concern with him. But I like him depending on the situation that he goes into. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned maybe Seattle might take a stab at him because they got a nice situation. You know, yep. they got a they got they got a quarterback already that they like for like the next two years. They're not paying him a lot of money. I know people think he's getting the bag, but he he's getting what he deserves. Okay. Sure. You bring a guy in like Richardson there. They got a running game. They got a defense. They have an identity. He can be like a Russell Wilson 2.0, but more but more athletic. You know, um, if you ask him to carry a team, he's not going to do that. He can't right. go to a bottom dweller like a Houston and say, you know what? Win us some games. He's not that guy. He, he'll try to because he's athletic. He's going to run around, you know, like his life depend on it, but he'll end up getting hurt like Lamar Jackson. So I like him. I just don't like him as the top guy. I like him if he goes to a situation. Me personally, you know, I don't, and I don't have to trap the draft order in my head, but I know Seattle's not going to take him. They're probably going to go defense. But there's teams like Tennessee that are in the number one. Let, let, me, let me let me go as you're talking. Let me go ahead and put up the draft order because we've got yeah, it actually oh, right here. Oh, awesome! Um, Thank you. So what? Again, you mentioned Seattle. Where, where's the other teams you think? So Seattle, I think, is a spot number eight on my mock draft last week Sunday. I like the Falcons there. Only because they need to put butts in the seat. Like, there's nothing. Ex- Atlanta, I don't, people watch my show. You know I'm always getting on Atlanta. I'm like, what yeah. about them is exciting? Like, nothing. There's nothing exciting about them anymore. You bring a kid in like Anthony Richardson, the Michael Vick type of experience. You have him roll around to Mike to Kyle Pitts. Um, what's the other kid they got there that they drafted? Uh, Drake London. Um, I like him a lot. You know, I think they didn't they just pick up a running back too, I think, or you still got Cordell Patterson. He's like a slash running back slash receiver type dude. Like right. they were in games, but you add a kid like that, maybe that might work with an offensive minded coach. Um, I like him there. Other than that, maybe Tennessee again, uh, mm-hmm. New England, maybe New England. If he falls there, you know, okay. they're going to want to run the football. You know, that Patriots defense is going to be always good. They're always good. Sure. So, Maybe there. I think Green Bay is okay. They got Jordan Love. But so like within the top 20 or top 15, that's where I can see him. Some people had mentioned maybe the Raiders, but I'm like, I don't know. I think they like Jimmy G. And and if you're gonna be running that type of offense, you need someone that can hit consistently with their accuracy. Richardson ain't the guy for that. So um, but so that's kind of what my, my my frame of thought is, at least in the first round. He won't slide past 15. Someone's gonna take him. Someone's gonna take him. I'd be surprised if he slid past that. 
New England would be so interesting because he's be. so different from not even just Mac, but obviously very right. different in terms of style from Brady. Like they, they've kind of had this outside of the one year with Cam, a very similar quarterback. Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, Jimmy G was there for a little bit. I remember Matt Castle the year he started. Uh, very much a, right. a a pocket guy, just deliver the ball accurately on time. Uh, that would be really interesting if he were to to, to go into uh, to New England. Uh, <laughs> last quarterback, and you knew I was going to ask you about this guy. You, I mean, you knew ahead of time. My mm-hmm. man Hinton Hooker out of Tennessee. I, I just I gotta yeah. ask from 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 the draft guy himself. Um, yeah. Obviously, I love Hooker. Maybe I'm uh, slightly biased. A biased maybe yeah. maybe a, a lot biased. Um, but my thing with Hooker is, and, and maybe part of the reason I like him is because my comparison for him is Dak Prescott. I think they're very similar uh, guys. Now Dak mm. a little bit bigger than Hooker, but both mobile guys like can run, but that's not their yeah. their first uh, the first inclination. Yeah. Uh, fairly accurate. Um, yeah. I think obviously think about leadership, to, uh, what, what both guys bring to the table from what you've seen to this point, I don't think you've done a film study quite yet on hooker, but from what you've seen to this yeah. point, what sort of your thoughts on, on, on Hendo Cinco? You know, I did a quick one on him yesterday. I posted it on my TikTok. Um, honestly, if, if it wasn't for that knee injury, I think we would be talking about him a little bit more. He's not, a, he's not, he's not like a real runner type guy. He's mobile. Yeah. He's mobile for sure. Um, the problem with him is that he's older. He's 25. He's got the knee injury already. So that's kind of like a drawback. Honestly, though, he can make the throws just like any of these other guys. Actually, I think he's better than Dak Prescott going into the NFL minus the injury. You know, I've seen him play, you know, live and not live, but on TV, you know, he can make the throws. Um, again, the really drawback to me is just that injury concern. And he takes a lot of hits. He is the type of guy, you know, if you watch clips of him, he's not going to just kind of shuffle out of bounds. He's going to try to lean forward. And and a guy like that who's already got the injury, there's a little cause for concern. But, I mean, honestly, man, he can play in a pro-style offense. He's got good size already. Honestly, I, and I already I, I said keep him in the state of Tennessee. Tennessee Titans, take him. I'm getting flack. People are in my comments like, man, you're bugging. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, he's better than Ryan Tannehill, the guy that they drafted last year, Willis. God knows what he's – the guy only <laughs> completed like seven passes in a game. You can't do that in the, in the modern yeah. National Football League. You can't do that. Hooker can come in and do that, okay? Um, I think he should get more credit than what he deserves, but because you have some other guys that like Anthony Richardson that are just leaping off the charts with athleticism. Even Will Levis is somewhat athletic too, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, he's got a cannon of an arm. You know, his problem is turnovers. But if it wasn't for that injury, I think we would be talking about Hendon Hooker a little bit more. And on top of that, he got hurt towards the end of the year, so we never really got to see him fulfilled or fill out the rest of that season and god knows if what if tennessee made the playoff right and they go on a run maybe sure. he might be above those guys like a like a uh like cj Stroud or up right there with them so i think he's a sleeper that people don't really know about because all they remember is oh oh tennessee lost like their last two games like who cares but if you put his tape together and his career overall he's a stud man he's definitely a stud and i'm not saying that because that's your guy and you're my boy i'm yeah. saying that because i actually watched the tape on the guy and I think that he can play in the National Football League for sure. I think the best fit, you mentioned Tennessee. I think that's interesting. I think Tampa Bay possibly. Top, yeah, if he's there, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think the best fit for him, honestly, and I saw one mock draft had him here, Minnesota. He backs up Cousins for yeah. a year. Mm-hmm. You, eventually you move off from Kirk. And not to mention, yeah. and they've already worked on trying to improve their defense this offseason. Oh, yeah. Now you yeah, have yeah, plenty yeah, yeah. of money to spend on defense. You yep. got an offensive coach. You got Jefferson. You got TJ Hawkins yep. and Dalvin Cook. I, I think that'd be yeah. a, a fantastic fit for him. Because where are the Vikings picking at? What what's their? Oh, uh, uh, let's see. I think they're they in at? the. Tw- they're definitely in the twenties. They're at twenty three. I mean, he could absolutely be there by that. He point. could fall there if like Tennessee don't take him, 
or anybody else that I think would take him, he could fall there. Um, or, or Tampa, Tampa might Tampa might get him because they need a quarterback. They need a they need a couple things. Yeah, but because right now who's there? Kyle Trask is maybe there's Kyle Trask, Baker. Um, oh yeah, Baker Mayfield's there. Oh, God. Yeah, right. yeah, that's so that's a one year. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I'm t- I'm saying, man, people don't people don't don't. I'm telling you, I can't. I'm so worked about Henning Hooker. If he goes in the first round, don't be surprised. You heard it here. We we called it. That guy, somebody's going to trade up to pick him. Yep. If, if not, you'd be stupid. Because especially if you're one of those teams like Minnesota, maybe not so much because they have Cousins, but let's just be real. Who really believes in, in Kirk Cousins other than his mama? Nobody, okay? And she has to because she she birthed him. Other yeah. than that, I mean, Tampa is a good fit too. I didn't even think about that. But I was kind of trying to play the whole – Keep him in state, man. Keep your homegrown product. Sure. Is he from Tennessee, though? Like, is he born and raised? Oh, my like, gosh. I should know this. I mean, I know he went to Virginia Tech before he transferred to Tennessee. I'm not quite sure where he's yeah, from. Yeah, maybe he's a Virginia guy. I don't know. But yeah. he's he's from the South, right? Hendon Hooker, right? That sounds like a Southern name. Yeah. So keep him in Tennessee. I would like to see him there, maybe with Derrick Henry. But but the, the Vikings, that would be a pairing. If you got Justin Jefferson out there, <sighs> they'd be gritting it all over the field, man. Mm. That, that's all you would you would turn on a Vikings game and just be gritting. You're like, well, what happened? Oh, they must have scored because he's gritting. That's it. There you uh, go. There you go. I love it. I, I love it. <laughs> to teach him in the gritty. I, I, I like that. Now, we, we got to give the defense some love. So, yeah, let's do it. I'm telling you, the guy that I'm so high on. I mean, I know, I know we talk about Carter at Georgia. Christian mm-hmm. Gonzalez at Oregon, I think, has a yes. potential to be one of the better linebackers in yes. the draft. What's your thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, you know what? I like him. My problem with him. He he's the most skilled cornerback in this draft from uh from that perspective. His mentality. When you throw on and watch his games, because you know, I watch the Pac-12 a lot. I'm a USC fan, so I've seen him a couple of times. He he his mindset, he'll check in and out of games. And I right. think that's a cause for concern because it's gonna be difficult in the NFL. You go, you're going up against A1 guys every week, especially if you're gonna be a number one pick. What Sauce Gardner was able to do this year was tremendous, right? The sure. way he guarded Jamar Chase. He was playing, you know, he, he guarded Justin Jefferson, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he he did well against those guys. And if you're not checked in at corner, I played corner a little bit. I'm, I'm not saying I was a high-level guy. Well, actually, you know, I was pretty good. I got recruited a little bit. But anyway. I don't know, want that false humiliation on the show. You, 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 you know, I was all right. I was, you know, I was, uh, I was all, all conference. You know what I'm saying? I did my little thing. But anyway, um, you got to be checked in, man, because you're on an island. And mentally, yep. you got to be strong. You're going to get beat. That's just. That's part of the game when you play corner. Guys are going to beat you, right? But for him, that would concern me as a GM. The other guy that I might want to take maybe over him is De- Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois. But the problem okay. with him, he's he's a little too physical, too handsy. But Gonzalez is the all – he's complete. He's a cover corner, cover corner, lockdown kind of guy. Um, but I, his mentals to me would be alarming. That's that's a fair point. We we have a comment. Oh, it's just very simple. Uh, J- John Rivera, let's go Jets. So it's hey, Jets, team. sign Aaron Rodgers. What are we doing? Can, 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 on, we, can, we, can we, y'all get a quarterback? We, 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 or waiting on them. Come on, come <laughs> on, man. Because <laughs> every week he's like, "Hey, Jets, man." I'm like, "Hey, listen, I hear you, brother, but we got to get Aaron Rodgers. If not, it means nothing to me. Nothing right now. It it has. I don't care about the Jets until you get Aaron Rodgers. Sign Aaron yeah. Rodgers, and then I'll talk about him." <laughs> we still have we still have to refer to him at this point as current Green Bay Packer. So yeah, we, current we Green Bay Packer. Current Rogers. He says he's coming though. Yeah, he's he's got. Uh, okay. I mean, right, I, I hope so. It, I hope so too. If not, <laughs> y'all rolling out Zach Wilson. Whew. 
Y'all, y'all don't want that again. Or Tim Boyle, who knows? Uh, yeah. That's that's it's not gonna be a good scene yeah, for the Jets if that's the case. Uh, <laughs> back, back to offense though. Um, B. John Robinson is, I think, the most complete running back in this draft. But I also right. want to give some love, and I don't usually do this much, to an Alabama player. Um, uh, he just recently did a, a little yes. TikTok on Jameer Gibbs. Yes, he, you, you hit it the nail on the head. I love this guy. Has Alvin Kamara written all over him? Yep. Tell, tell me a little bit. If those ever watched Jameer Gibbs play, to tell them a little <laughs> bit how special this kid has a potential you know, to be. Man, this guy is a touchdown in a bottle. Like, you know, you guys over you guys order Uber Eats. If you want to order up a touchdown, he's the guy that's delivering it to you. He's a slashing type running back. He's not big, like 5'9, 199 pounds. So you can't ask him to run it up the tackle or through the guards. But this guy, 4'3, like a legit 4'3 speed. I mean, he literally looks like Alvin Kamara. Like he really like looks like him. You know, um, I love him. I love him. You know, you can you can line him up. He's a mismatch in the passing game, which is very big in the NFL now. Like it's not 1995 anymore. You can right. line those guys up. You know, guys that paved the way, like Marshall Falk and guys like that. Even Kishan McCaffrey. You know, today, like you can line him up in the slot. You can have him coming out the backfield. You just got to get him the ball, and that's what I love about him. So guys that you know, people are, and I love Bijan Robinson too. But he's not as fast as this guy. No, and no. If he goes, I mean, it's home right runability. Man, if he goes with the right coach and they can put him in somewhere, I love. I I like him, man. I you know I mean, I don't know the Cowboys might take Bijan if he's there. I know people are giving me crap for that too. But if Gibbs is around, and I know we got Tony P. I don't know, man. I I like Gibbs, man. I I, I not to say that I don't I don't like him more than Robinson. Robinson is the more complete back, right? He does everything well. Gibbs is only going to give you like that home run ability, right? He's not going to block on a third down. He's not going to do, he's not picking up blitzes. He's too small, right. but you line him up in the slot or out the backfield. You might as well just say that's a t- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Touchdown. Listen, listen. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not drafting. I'm not drafting running backs to uh, to be my best offensive lineman. You know, that's exactly. that's the offense. Listen, I, I know Zeke was in Dallas for years, partly because he was yeah. such a great blocker. But that's that. That can't be your only job as as a running back nope. in the NFL. Speak. A couple of questions left. Speaking of offensive linemen, uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, obviously we don't talk about them much because it's it's not a sexy position. It's not. We're not watching game. Be you know right. looking at the, the the left guard basically. But there's a lot of guys. Again, not to give uh, any more Tennessee guys love, but like Darnell right in this draft. Uh, Paris Johnson. There's a kid from Northwestern. I think it's potentially yep. really good. Skronsky. Uh, Skr- yeah, Skronsky. Is there, are there any of those three? Anybody else? Is there somebody that sticks out to you? Like, hey, th- this this guy could be a. You know, I like the kid out of player. Oklahoma. Um, and I think I think it's Anton J. Not Antoine Jameson. I think is Anton. I know the first name is Anton. Yeah. I want to say Jameson. Crazy. I want to say that so bad, but I know that's not his name. Yeah. Um, I like him, but you know what, Paris. Paris and Darnell, was it Washington? What's, what's his name? Right, uh, Darnell Wright. Right. Those are the two guys. And Skronsky's, I think Skronsky's probably the better. He's more polished. Wright is just a big dude. Like, he's just Mount Everest. I mean, he gets your hands on. He gets his hands on you. It's a it's a good night. You know, Paris Campbell, his problem that I've seen on tape, because I did a, a review on him, is that he isn't physical enough for me. 
Like he okay. when he he's not finishing blocks the way you need your 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 tackle to finish, and he will struggle against faster um, defensive edges. Which honestly, man, you're going up against these guys. Depending on where you go, you get drafted. And I I think I have him going. Uh, where did I have him going? I forgot the draft order, but um, I think Chicago. So you're okay. going to be going up against Aiden Hutchinson potentially. Like that might be a problem. You know, uh, what's the other guy in Minnesota? He was on the Packers before. Uh, Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith. Guys like that. Who's a, a polished veteran. Like, you know, he's got the size. He's got the equipment, but he's got to develop that nastiness. Where as uh, right, he's nasty. Like that dude will block his mom. He don't care. <laughs> you know, he'll line up. He'll be like, hey, I'm picking him up. I'm picking her up. And he'll just run through you. So, but I think those are all really good guys. I think they're all cornerstone type of guys. Um, but if I had to go with the first tackle or offensive lineman off the board, it's going to be Skronsky because I think he's the most balanced out of all of them. Okay. He's a mixture of both of them. Got good size, but can block, has that mental toughness, has that physical toughness to actually uh, finish blocks. Well, listen, when you're playing in the freezing cold in the Big Ten, you've you got to have some level of toughness because, man, that's you know what? And you can't no go wrong with a Big Ten offensive lineman. They always hit, dude. They like yep. that's three things in life the sun will rise, the sun will set, and those Big Ten linemen will block their butt off. Hundred percent, and you know, I we had uh, I I had Anth, our teammate at the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast here in the grid. I had him hit me up about you know Dallas maybe trading up to get Darnell Wright, and I I, I seen that you know basically like as a Tennessee fan, what do you think? I said, look, let's put it to you this way: when Tennessee played Alabama, and Will Anderson, who's probably the best pure pass rusher yep. in the draft, yep. he didn't get a hand on Hinton Hooker. Nope. Like that's like Not you said, Darnell Wright is nasty. He's Not again kind of yeah, like, like Will. I, I did. I don't even remember if Anderson even played the game. He. He that's did, how, but you couldn't tell. He was like, so yeah, no. And to go up against a guy like that and defeat him like that, those are the types of edge rushers you're going to be seeing in the National Football League, right? You know, guys are not just going to run him over. Like, you know, you're not bull rushing him. Like, he's just a big guy. You know, and and to your thought, I mean, or you said Anthony had Ant had asked you that. Yeah, I'm, I don't think the Cowboys will move up, but if he's there, would I take him over Bijan? I would. I would because you know what, the game is played inside out. And I feel like we got Tony Pollard. We can maybe sure. develop somebody else there, you know. So Bijan Robinson would be like if you had a Gucci bag and you saw a Prada on sale. That's what yeah. what it is. So that's it. And, and and two, you know, it's much easier to find a productive, not even good, but productive running back than it is to find a great offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the lineman. No, yeah, those guys don't come out a lot. And and like you know, with the running back situation, you look at Pacheco. I love that guy from Kansas City. Yeah, seventh round draft pick, but he went to the right system. He fits well with what they do. And you know what? He's if he has another good year, he'll get paid a little bit, and you're good. Last last question before I get to that last question. Uh, let's oh, let's see. Hold on, we just got a comment in here. Uh, Patrick Brown's in the comments. Uh, our team at the grid. He says Houston Texans <laughs> would kick themselves in the gut by not taking Bryce Young, the most yeah. Texans thing ever. That that's fascinating because I did see the report that the Texans were thinking about not taking a quarterback. I'm like, I wouldn't take him unless unless the 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 objective is to to tank for Caleb yep. Williams next year. Taking a quarterback would make not taking a quarterback would make no sense. Or you can do the Arizona Cardinal route and say, you know what? To hell with it. True. We'll, true. we'll take Josh Rosen. It don't work out. See ya. Yeah. Come on on, Caleb. Why not? I mean, that's the thing. People got to get off this thing where it's like, oh my God, we took a guy this year, so we so we can't take this guy next year. No, just take who you want to take. Just do it. Who cares? Live life. That's it. It's that's a great that's 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 a great way of looking at taking quarterbacks the other draft, NFL draft. Just live life. I agree with that. Who cares? But, 
that's it. That's it. There's nothing wrong with admitting you're wrong. There's, there's no. nothing. Uh, I mean, the Jets are doing it right now with, with Zach Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, for the last question, uh, again, NFL draft, uh, first round of the draft is two weeks from now. And uh, I guess this is somewhat of an announcement. I'll put the graphic back up. Uh, we are going to be doing a live draft reaction show here yes, at sir. The Grid two weeks from now, The Grid yes, 2023 sir. NFL draft reaction show. Ryan, I know you're going to be a part of it. I'll be there. I'll yep. be there. Uh, I, I think Barry's in. We're, we're going to see if we can get something worked out maybe with the CanFan guys. Yep. Uh, hope yep. we get Mike. Uh, plenty, plenty of people. Alfred's in. So, load it. listen, if you want a good draft party, come to The Grid NFL oh, draft live reaction show. Well, Listen. Please do. We, we know how to go have a good time. No mistake, no mistake about it. And we have incredible draft analysis from guys like Ryan and potentially we hope Mike Guido uh, will be able right. to stop by as well. Last question, because you are uh, the NFL draft expert here at the grid. Um, is there a guy, and I always ask this uh, every draft of people, is there a guy, whether it's late first round or even a, a day two or day three guy that just sticks out at you where you're like, okay, if this team takes this guy, man, this could be maybe not necessarily a franchise changer, but wow, this could this could potentially help them and bring them to help them to Super Bowl contention. You know, one guy that sticks out is a receiver um, out of Boston College. We share the same last name. Um, oh, he he's kind of like a Jamar Jamar Gibbs or Jameer Gibbs, whereas his speed he's a playmaker and depends on what situation he goes to. I don't think he's necessarily a number one receiver per se because he's he's a little inconsistent. Like he. He drops a lot of balls, number one. Um, he plays too fast. Like, he's just he's just ready to go. But once he's settled down and locked in, I, I like Zay Flowers, man. And I don't know where who can use him right now. I, I Honestly, I think the Cowboys could use a guy like that. We don't have, like, a an electric guy like that. Like, Gallup is supposed to be the burner. Well, not even Gallup. I mean, CD is supposed to be that Brandon guy. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Uh, he's older. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really not sold on him yet. Like I have to wait and see with him. I, some people feel like the Cowboys wide receiving room is good. I I think it's eh, it's okay, mm, it's but fine. I would rather have a guy like that. I want a guy that's got like when I'm if I'm on opposing defense and I'm the coordinator, I want them to throw on the tape and be like, I want them to feel like, ooh, we 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 better find somebody. I like CD, but I don't think no one. And I'm not saying that no, they don't respect him. Okay, I'm, I don't want people to say, oh, this guy is an idiot. Like, I'm not saying that, but there's certain guys when you throw on the tape, and they don't even have to be 1A guys. They can be 1, 2, 3B, whatever, but there's something about them that you have, they garner respect. And I okay. think a guy like Zay Flowers will garner respect because he's fast, man. He'll, 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 he'll take the top off of defense. He'll get the ball on, a, on a, like a quick little one-yard route and just take it and go. We need that, or any or any team would need that type of ability, man. Um, especially, you know, a team that doesn't have a lot of firepower like that. So he's one of the guys. Um, there's another kid. He's an edge rusher out of Iowa State, uh, McDonald, the, the McDonald the fourth. Um, he doesn't get a lot of credit too. Uh, he's a really good edge rusher. Um, there's one other kid. I forgot his name. Davion. I think his name is Davion Smith. He's a linebacker, outside linebacker from Texas Tech. When you throw on the tape for him. He's not going to wow you with a lot of speed, but he has really great instincts. He tackles well, and the guy is just crazy physical. He And I love that. I love that about that. He's just a constant motor. So those are some guys that I would be kind of keyed in on um, if you're looking for that one guy, like you said, like a kind of like a sleeper guy for your team. Um, but, yeah, those are those guys. And Texas Tech has two good guys. One, I forgot the other guy's name. He's another. He's, he's actually an edge rusher. Um, right. And then the other guy I'm talking about is an outside linebacker who can rush. But if you need a good outside linebacker to help maybe bolster your defense, he'd be the guy to go. 
and you mentioned instincts too. To me, to me, that's far more um, conducive to being successful in the NFL than speed. Because if you don't know what right. to do with your speed, like you mentioned about right. uh, Zay Flowers, you know that 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 can be a, a, a that can be a liability at times uh, if you're not able to uh, to to cultivate that and develop that. Uh, right. It's it, it's definitely gonna be fun. Ryan Flowers, you're doing unbelievable. I mean, you're, you're it's it's like you are just like you're 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 watching the tape. It's like twenty four seven, man. You're doing a phenomenal hey, job every day, man. I'm staying up to like two in the morning, man. I'm watching these clips for you guys. So those. That comment on it, you know, listen, I, I mean, that's fine. I respect everyone's opinion, but there's a lot of work that goes into this content creator stuff, man. Absolutely. And, and you know, I respect those that do it as well. Um, so be kind to your content creator because you don't know the hell we go through to put this stuff out for you guys. I mean, I'm up all hours of the night clipping, finding research, doing whatever I need to do to pump that content out to you also. But uh, but yeah, man, it's been it's been great. The last couple of weeks have been awesome. And I, and I expect some bigger things on the horizon. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk here at The Grid. Thanks for coming on once again, my man. Yeah, man. Like I always say, this is Clutch Sports Talk with me, Ryan Flowers. Never settle till the work is done. Thanks, Bryson. Yes, sir. Ryan Flowers, as always, he's got the best closing uh, 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 statement of anybody here at The Grid. Never settle till the work is done. I've, I've always loved that. Um, it, it sounds like it, it should be like the the motto for like a uh, like a I don't know some kind of like alcoholic beverage made like never settles the work is done like that's a great that's I see Ryan down there he loves it that's that that we gotta we, we gotta find something to, to to make it happen maybe get the can fan guys crack it if you got it maybe get them involved in it that'd be fun uh but yeah listen the NFL draft man it's it is it is fast fast approaching uh, and again last year uh, again I so sort of mentioned that the the quarterback prospects coming out last year were not near as touted or as 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 talented rather uh as they were this year obviously the main two guys were kenny pickett uh who went to the steelers and then malik willis who went to the titans malik had a i i liked malik but malik had a disastrous rookie year in tennessee and pickett i thought really came on at the end of the year in uh pittsburgh i'm not really sure what his ceiling is but again as a guy who's between two teams niners steelers to finally you know pick a nfl favorite team for the first time in two and a half years uh it's i, I like what i see from pickett so but the quarterback prospects come out this year. Again, hats off to Ryan Flowers. He's doing – he likes C.J. Stroud. He likes him a lot more than Bryce Young. So we'll see. Definitely looking forward to having him on, having many others here at the grid uh, on for our NFL Draft Live Reaction Show. Again, that is two weeks from today. Definitely be sure to tune in. We are going to shift back to the NBA. And I do this for the NFL as well. I've done it the last two NFL playoffs. And this is the second time doing it for the NBA playoffs. So – there's no perfect team. Every team has a flaw, a hole, a weakness that can get, and in all likelihood, will get exposed. That is obviously unless you win the championship or you cover up that hole. But then you potentially have to worry about other holes. So I always, every year, do a, a segment about NBA playoff weaknesses. And again, did the same thing for the NFL. NFL uh, weaknesses, I think it's... I always try to do this. To, I think it makes it easier to predict series. I think it's – I try to get the best insight I can in terms of what to expect from a series, what the opposition can, can potentially expose. So enough messing around. Let, let's go and get right into the playoff weaknesses. Get the background music going uh, right now. Starting in so you got uh, the playing team in uh, – uh, oh, it doesn't look like I was able to get the Bulls 
Uh, hold, hold on real quick. Let me get the Bulls uh, weakness on here real quick. I, I could have sworn I had that on here. Hold on. Let's get, get the Chicago Bulls. Wait a minute. Oh, my goodness. Where is the Chicago? There's the Chicago Bulls. Oh, no, it won't pull up. Okay, so Chicago Bulls, basically what I have for them was they're, uh, they're bad defensively. Okay, they're bad defensively. Now, they had a big win last night against the uh, against the Toronto Raptors, came back. Zach Levine was outstanding. Uh, 30 points of the second half. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, again, the, the, the master of the mid-range, obviously came and beat his old team, the Toronto Raptors. But Vucevic can be a bit of a defensive liability, as can DeMar, as can Zach Levine. Like, Chicago's not a terribly deep team. They're well-coached. I think Billy Donovan's as good of a coach as there is in the NBA. They're certainly more, one of the more underrated ones. But Chicago's bad defensively. Again, not having Lonzo Ball all season long. And best wishes to Lonzo Ball. He looks like he's going to miss next season as well with his continued uh, injury. But Chicago's too bad defensively in order to, to, to make a playoff run. And I think there's other weaknesses that can be exposed there as well. Uh, moving on to the team that they will be playing tomorrow in the playing tournament. Now we've got the graphics up. Uh, it is the Miami Heat. What is the Miami Heat's biggest weakness? Too reliant on Jimmy. So you guys know that I did. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My pretenders and contenders coming out of the All-Star break. And I surprised a lot of people and I said, I think the Miami Heat are contenders. Because I think when you consider what playoff Jimmy is, what he represents two of the last three postseasons, the dude has darn near carried the Miami Heat. Again, they're a team. It's a lot of undrafted guys. Don't have a ton of size. Tyler Hero, Gabe Vincent, um, Victor Oladipo. Like, it's not a... Kyle Lowry's getting up there in age. Now, Bam Adebayo is obviously spectacular on the defensive end and can give you real offensive production as well. Uh, And it's a well-coached team by Eric Spolstra. But too often in these playoff games, if you look at 2020 in the finals against the Lakers, it was... I mean, Jimmy, especially that game five, remember the meme of him leaning over the railing just almost dead tired? just literally putting the heat on his back in order to carry them to victory. Last year was the same situation in game six and seven against Boston. Game six, he had that 40-piece to beat the Celtics. And then game seven, he had like 30-plus. Missed that game-winning shot, that three. Uh, and Boston ended up going to the finals last year. But I just think as, as heat culture is a real thing, but I think if, if as long as Miami beats Chicago uh, in this playing game, tomorrow gets the playoffs and faces Milwaukee, Man, Milwaukee is as deep as a team as there is in the NBA, and it can't be one on eight, basically. So Miami Heat's biggest weakness, too reliant on Jimmy. Now two teams that are in the playoffs, the team that beat the Miami Heat in the playing game, the Atlanta Hawks, atrocious defensively. The Hawks rank 22nd in the NBA in defensive efficiency. Not to mention, and it's no surprise, again, Trey Young is is one of the better scorers there is in the NBA, also one of the better passers, led the league in assists. But his size says everything that you need to see in terms of whether he's not whether or not he's impactful on the other end of the floor. He's small, he's a little frail uh, for, for, for a guard. The same could be said about Bogdanovich. Uh, John Collins is okay. Capella can protect the rim, but I think, and I still, and I like Quinn Snyder as a coach. I do. I think he's a tremendous coach. But I think moving on from Nate McMillan was a big, big mistake by this Atlanta Hawks team. I mean, how many Atlanta teams, forget in the last few years, throughout their history, have been, I mean, 
great, like dominant on the defensive end of the floor. Certainly in the, in the 21st century, not many, if any. And Nate McMillan, for the time being, when they got to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago, Atlanta was a tremendous defensive team, and that's partly what helped them get to that stage. Uh, once again, second year, again, DeJounte Murray's not a good defender. Like, it, it's going to hurt them in the long run. I think it's going to give them serious problems when they face the Boston Celtics in the first round. Moving on to the Brooklyn Nets, a very different team now than what they were at the beginning of the season. No elite shot creators. So the weakness last year for the Nets was they were terrible defensively. Terrible. Well, this year, they're not nearly as bad defensively, but, you know, your offense naturally isn't going to be as good when you lose Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I have my issues with Kyrie. I've never doubted whether or not that man can create his own shot as well as any guard in the league. Spencer Dinwiddie can. Uh, Mikkel Bridges somewhat can, but he's more of a defensive stopper. Uh, Dinwiddie can be a liability on that end of the floor. But again, you're talking about guys like Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, th these are not... Cam Thomas can, but he's still a kid in the NBA. He's still got some development to do, uh, developing to do. And I think when you're facing a team like the Philadelphia 76ers, which has plenty of shot creators, Embiid, Harden, Maxi, Tobias Harris to a certain degree, that's going to be a real problem. And we know, listen, defense wins championships. We understand that. But if you can't score the basketball, then your defense means absolutely nothing. So Brooklyn's better this year in defense. They're not going to be able to score an, enough of a level to make any kind of postseason run. That is their biggest weakness. The New York Knicks' biggest weakness is Thibodeau coached teams are gassed. Once the playoffs roll around. Uh, for the Knicks, it's, again, Tom Thibodeau. And this this is a way to win in the NBA regular season. Tom Thibodeau is a grinder. That's how he is as an NBA head coach. That's how he's always been. But if you historically look at all those teams back in his days with the Chicago Bulls, if you look at that one team he coached to the playoffs in the Timberwolves, they played their you-know-whats off in the regular season. They're always good defensively. They're always really scrappy, win some really tight games, kind of similar to what you saw from the Lakers the other night against the Timberwolves. That is not sustainable for an entire regular season to have fresh bodies ready to go in the playoffs. And when you're facing a team in Cleveland that's young, you know, spry, you know, bushy-tailed, if you will, ready to go in the playoffs, man, that— tired legs, man, is a—trust me, anybody that plays basketball, tired legs is a real thing. And I think that's going to cost the Knicks in the playoffs this year, not to mention the fact that they do not have Julius Randle for the time being. And Jalen Brunson, while I love him, while I think he should have been an all-star this year, is not a good enough player to just carry this Knicks team. That is their biggest weakness. The team that they will be facing, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're too young to contend. And there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, I know Cleveland hates me. They should hate me because I don't really like Cleveland. But I've always been a, a big guy who bought, bought into the Cavs before the season. Again, before the year started, I said the Cavs would be the three seed. Sue me, they were the four seed. Okay, Donovan Mitchell's had the best season of his career. They're young guys. Garland, since he's come back from injury, has played well. Evan Mobley has been excellent. He's got the potential to be an all-NBA guy in the future. Um, you think about guys like Jared Allen, who's one of the best shot blockers in the league. I mean, Cleveland is a real, real team in the Eastern Conference, and it would not shock me if they were to go ahead and beat the New York Knicks and, dare I say, maybe upset Milwaukee. Is it out of the question with the way they can score the basketball and defend? No. But young teams usually don't win championships. I've done segments before about the average age of NBA title teams in the last decade. The youngest was like my Warriors in 2015. The average age was like 27. And again, Steph was in his seventh year. I'm sorry, sixth year. Clay, fifth year. Like, 
Donovan is really the only guy in this team with substantial playoff experience. So I think the Cavs' youth and inexperience is going to cost them in the end. This is listen. There's nothing wrong with that. This is their first dance. They haven't been there and done that, and so I think that's going to cost them in the end. To a team that has a ton of pressure, as much pressure as any team going into the playoffs, this Philadelphia 76ers, I have really three concerns slash weaknesses. Embiid's health, Harden's mentality, and Doc's history. Let's start with Embiid's health. Ever since he's coming in the NBA, every postseason run he's had, he has had an injury of some sort. Uh, 2018, I think he dealt with a lower body injury. 2019 against Toronto, he was sick. I think he was dealing with food poisoning. Not really an injury, but hurt him physically. 2021, if you remember, he missed uh, the end of the series against the Washington Wizards in the first round. Never looked like the same play in the second round when they lost to Atlanta in seven games. And then last season, came in the playoffs somewhat injured, but then got his face darn near shattered in the first round. Broke all kinds of bones. Can't imagine how painful that was. And would never look like the same guy in the second round against the Miami Heat. The aggressiveness wasn't there. I worry about his health and durability, especially at this point in the year. Harden. His shortcomings in the playoffs speak for themselves, particularly in Houston, but even, even in Brooklyn in 2021, when he suffered the hamstring injury and did not look anything like himself in 2021. And then last year, just totally, and this is the second time to me he's done this in the playoffs, just quit. In an in a in a elimination game, did so against the Miami Heat in Game Six. Just looked out of it mentally. Was playing very lackadaisical for a do or die game for the Sixers. You worry about that. Uh, and then for Doc Rivers, no coach in NBA history up to up to Doc Rivers had blown multiple three one leads. Doc Rivers has blown three, not even just two, three. Back in Orlando, blew a 3-1 lead when he had Tracy McGrady. Blew a 3-1 lead in 2015 against the Rockets. And then in 2020 against the Denver Nuggets. I worry about that a little bit with Doc Rivers. And I love Doc. I think he's a tremendous guy. I think he's a good coach. I've never seen a coach in the NBA live more off of one championship than one Doc Rivers. Uh, that's all three of those, to me, are major concerns with the Philadelphia 76ers. It's why I've never bought into them all season as a true legitimate contender. Uh, that is their biggest weakness. To the Boston Celtics, the defending Eastern Conference champion, their biggest weakness is their best player. Tatum's aggressiveness in big spots. That's what I worry about. Last year, Tatum's best game of the postseason actually was an elimination game. Game six at Milwaukee, down 3-2. I think he dropped like 46 or something, outdueled Giannis. I mean, he was incredible. Since that point in elimination games, he or closeout opportunities, he struggled. You think about game uh, six and seven against the Miami Heat. Game seven, he ran from the basketball. Almost allowed Miami to steal the game, which would have been one of the all-time playoff collapses that we've seen. For Jason Tatum, again, he's a guy who trained with the late, great Kobe Bryant, has talked about wanting to embody the mob mentality. That's great. But you worried about that at times last year in the finals against Golden State. Now, some of that is guys like Wiggins, Draymond, did a phenomenal job guarding him on the perimeter, but you heard him voice his confidence or lack thereof. He was talking about, uh, I never said I was a superstar. Why do you guys call me that? It's like Kobe would have never dreamed. And it's unfair to hold guys to a standard of Kobe in terms of mentality. But it's just, it's something to worry about in the long run for Jason Tatum and the Celtics. Other than that, I think they're, they, they can absolutely get to the finals. That's not exactly breaking news. But I just worry about in the long run uh, with Jason Tatum. If they're in a big spot, is he going to be as assertive as he needs to be for a guy who, to me, is clearly one of the 10 best players in the NBA? That is the biggest weakness for the Boston Celtics. And rounding out the Eastern Conference is the Milwaukee Bucks, who I predicted before the season 
would be the 2023 20, uh, Eastern Conference representatives and meet my Warriors. What is their biggest weakness? What do you get from Chris Middleton? I mean, really, that's... And that was the concern last year because the fact they got injured uh, in the playoffs against the Chicago Bulls. If you look at Chris Middleton, he's had a plethora of injuries leading back to last season. Uh, how many games do you play? I'm trying to pull it up here uh, for Chris Middleton. Uh, hold on. Uh, Middleton played only 33 games this year. He was rarely available. Now, here's the good news. Milwaukee still got the number one seed and had the best record in the NBA with Middleton playing basically a little over a third of the season. Okay, Drew Holiday was an all-star. Obviously, we know what Giannis is and what he represents. He's arguably the best player in the league. Uh, You've got a deep bench with guys like Brooke Lopez. Uh, Brooke Lopez isn't on the bench, but he's a good role player. Uh, uh, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton. This is as deep of Grayson Allen. This is as deep of a team as there is in the NBA. Joe Ingles. So, experience, depth is going to really help the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know if they can win a championship without Chris Middleton. A guy who could create a shot, who had some big games in the playoffs when they won the title two years ago. You saw there was times against the Boston Celtics, they just needed a bucket. And Giannis, while he can get to the rim almost at will, he needs that guy to kind of take the load off his shoulders to where he doesn't have to basically go one on five. Drew can create his own shot, but not as well as Middleton. That's the only thing I'm concerned about with with the Milwaukee Bucks and what is Middleton's health right now as we speak, we shall see. Moving to the Western Conference, the two teams that are going to be fighting for that eight seed tomorrow night in the Twin Cities. The Oklahoma City Thunder, what's their biggest weakness where they can't win a title? They're too reliant on Shea. Oklahoma City, I could have also said that they are the uh, they're the second youngest team in basketball to, uh, I think only the Rockets are younger. Listen, it's already been a successful season for Oklahoma City. Anything beyond this is great. Okay, the fact that they came back, beat the Pelicans last night. Shea Gilgis was fantastic in that game. Uh, he, he's had one of the better seasons in the NBA. I don't think he's gotten the, the proper credit for it. Josh Giddy also was excellent. Guy's a triple-double threat every night. You got the two Jalen Williams uh, in that starting lineup, Lou Dort. But this is an Oklahoma City team that, in huge moments, tends to be a little too reliant on Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's, that's fine. They're still incredibly young. And Shea Gilgis is probably the most established player, established elite player on that team. I really like Lou Dort. He's been around the block. He understands how this works. But even, even beyond him, this is a very, very young basketball team that you worry about in, in big spots if they're going to completely defer to their best player, which is natural, but it, it's it's a concern. It's why they cannot win a championship this season. The team they will be playing, the Minnesota Timberwolves, what's their biggest issue? Coaching and lack of depth. I've never been a huge Chris Finch guy. I think he's one of the smarter coaches of the league uh, in terms of understanding matchups. But man, late in games in the last two years, the Timberwolves have been atrocious. You think about game three against the Memphis Grizzlies. Had like a 25-point lead or something crazy. Blew it. Had two big leads twice in the game. Lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. Think about game five had a big lead. Lost. Game six could have easily won that game. Lost. This past uh, playing game against the Los Angeles Lakers. It's like they weren't running anything on offense the last two and a half minutes uh, against Los Angeles. Although, again, I think some of the credit does go to the Lakers, who've been one of the better defensive teams in the league. But depth. Jaden McDaniel, Jalen McDaniels, who, you know, let, let his emotions get the best of him, punched the wall, broke his hand, 
done for the playoffs. Nas Reed, gone for the playoffs as well due to injury. This is a team that's just losing too many bodies at the worst time of year. Uh, that's going to hurt the Timberwolves in the long run. That and Rudy Gobert. Uh, moving on to the team that beat them to get into the playoffs, the Los Angeles Lakers. What's their biggest weakness? AD's health and aggressiveness. Obviously, the, the nickname I have given Anthony Davis is AD. Does not stand for Anthony Davis. It stands for always down. He's dealt with a plethora of injuries this year. Has been more available and more consistent than he was the year than the year prior. But it is still something you worry about in and that you know what you're getting from LeBron James. Are you getting prime LeBron from Miami slash Cleveland? No, but you're still getting, you know, 27. Eight and six. I mean, that the, the typical LeBron James stat line with remarkable efficiency. I'm pretty confident in some of the role guys. Austin Reeves, uh, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Dennis Schroeder. I mean, guys have really, Bruce Hutchmore, guys have really stepped up for the Lakers in terms of shot making and defense. It's all going to come down to Anthony Davis. If he's on, this team can win the championship. If he's not, this team can go out in round one against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Many of times in the postseason, think about 2020, and even one game against Phoenix, I think it was game two of 2021. Again, when Anthony Davis is on, he's probably the best player on the court, even over LeBron, when he's absolutely on his game. But when he's not, you think about times against the Suns in the postseason 2021, many times in the last couple of years, man, it could be almost depressing to watch. That and his health. has Since he came into the league, that's always been a question. Uh... And I think that's the biggest weakness for the Lakers and what probably will prevent them from winning the championship this year. Moving on to the reigning, defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors, who I believe are going to repeat this year. What's their biggest weakness, if there is any? No, there's a weakness. Not as good defensively as years past. If you look at the years that Golden State has won the championship within the last decade, they are almost always in the top five defensively. Think about 2015, 17, 18, and then last year in 22, always one of the premier defensive teams. They were 17th this year. However, they still got plenty of defenders. Draymond Green, who's I think should be in the defensive player of the year race. Again, I'll give you my defensive player of the year and other award winners in just a second. I think should at least be in the race. If you look at Golden State defensively, he's on on and off the court. It's night and day. Andrew Wiggins coming back. Long, rangy, you know, Good instincts type of defender. Gary Payton, Clay Thompson is still serviceable in that end of the floor. Caban Looney as well. Dante DiVincenzo. They still got plenty of guys, but defensively, it was really the road that put them in that middle of the pack. Obviously, Golden State was a terrible road team this year. 11-30, and 30, uh, which would be by far, I think, the worst record of any team to win the championship should they come away uh, with the title. Uh, I, I think that's something you've got to worry about with the Golden State Warriors. But other than that, am I like overly concerned about whether or not they can win the championship. Come on now. But there is no perfect team. That is their weakness. Not as good defensively as years past. This would be by far the lowest they've ever been ranked defensively if they win the championship this year. Moving on to the Los Angeles Clippers. What's their biggest weakness? You're already seeing it materialize. Kawhi and PG's health and Westbrook's playoff history. Let's start with Kawhi and Paul George. Again, you're already seeing it. Paul George... Probably isn't going to be available until at best game five, game six, if there is one against the Phoenix Suns. Dealing with that lower leg injury, which to me, officially slammed the door shut on Clippers championship contention this year. Kawhi, we know the last time he was in the playoffs and knock on wood for him. He tore his ACL, didn't play for another year and a half, basically. 
and then Westbrook's playoff history. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you. Again, Russell Westbrook is a first bat Hall of Famer. The triple-double record is remarkable. And by the way, he's been a better fit with the Clippers than I, even I thought he'd be. I give him credit where credit is due in that regard. The problem is he has some of the worst basketball IQ I've ever seen in my life. No question about it. Uh, I think that's going to hurt the Clippers in the long run, depending on how many minutes that Westbrook plays. But then the Clippers are just falling apart at the worst time, especially playing a team uh, against the likes of the uh, team of the likes of the Phoenix Suns, which their biggest weakness, talking about Phoenix now, is and my man Barry's going to like this Black Cat Chris. I cannot take liberty for this name. That, that, is, that is Barry Grant Jr. He came up with that name, Black Cat Chris. Many would say, well, what about Phoenix's bench? Folks. First of all, Phoenix's bench played well the last couple of games against the Lakers and then against the Clippers. Their reserves came in and played excellent. I, I got nothing bad to say about them, but not just that. Man, your rotations shrink significantly in the postseason. You have your starters playing more minutes and you have less guys coming off the bench. I don't worry about what that. I don't worry about that whatsoever with the Phoenix Suns. Kevin Durant, they have yet to lose a game with him in the lineup. Obviously, we anticipate that'll change. I doubt they'll go 16-0 in the playoffs. Devin Booker, I have a feeling, considering how he came up short last year, he's the type of guy to respond. It's Chris Paul. And I used to be the biggest Chris Paul fan, but I think I finally saw the light last year against the Dallas Mavericks. He is the king of blowing postseason leads. Last year, up 2-0 in Dallas. Lost in seven. Year four of that, in the NBA Finals. Chance to win his first ring. Up 2-0 Milwaukee. Lost four straight games to lose the series. You think about 20, uh, what year was it? 2018. Now, he, you know, pulled his, his hamstrings. So you can't put that on him the last two games. They were up 3-2 on my Warriors, lost the series. I think they were up uh, 2-0, I think, against Memphis in, like, 2013. They were up 3-1 in 2015. Like, Chris Paul is kind of the king of blowing postseason leads. I worry if that's not going to rear its ugly head. In what is now his, gosh, this is CP's 18th year in the NBA. Like, this could be his last chance to potentially win a championship. Uh, if not, the Suns very well could, could possibly move off of him. Uh, I think Black Cat Chris, again, to use my man Barry's uh, uh, nickname for him, that could cost the Suns in the long run. Moving to the Sacramento Kings, making their first playoff appearance since 06. And I kind of feel proud of myself for this one. The Kings of Offense... And the peasants of defense. I got to give myself a little pat on the back for that one. The kings of offense, the peasants of defense. Folks, Sacramento is the statistically, by the advanced numbers, so to speak, it feels weird to say this, the best offense in NBA history. Now, do I think they're the best offense in NBA history? I do not. We got to see them prove that in the playoffs. But that's what the numbers say. Defensively, though, what the numbers say, awful. They're 26th in defensive efficiency. De'Aaron Fox, while he's tremendous, not a defender. Kevin Herter's not a defender. Uh, Terrence Davis, okay, but not a great defender. Uh, Harrison Barnes, fine, still not a great defender. Sabonis is not a great defender. Like, for Mike Brown, who, you know, 
congrats to Mike Brown, just one coach of the year. And he's kind of a defensive guy. You're not seeing that in, in Sacramento. Now, some of that might be just personnel. Uh, and again, lack of experience, I think, is going to hurt them in the long run as well with them playing my Warriors in the first round. But again, they're almost unstoppable offensively. They can get almost any shot they want in the paint, outside. They get to the free throw line at a pretty good efficiency at a high level. But defensively, they cannot guard me much less the defending champs. So I think that's going to hurt the Kings uh, in the long run. To the Memphis Grizzlies, their biggest weakness, no identity in clutch time. You say, Bryson, what's clutch time? Clutch time is the last five minutes of a basketball game when the score is within five points. And the Grizzlies this season were in the bottom half of the NBA in clutch time offensive efficiency all season long. Some of that has been, they dealt with a lot of injuries. John Morant's been out, Desmond Bain missed time. Uh, and at times, Jaron Jackson Jr., who's more of their defensive stopper, was their number one option on offense. I think, again, you've got good players. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Jones, I think he's their backup point guard, has played well. Um, oh my gosh, what's his name? The, Luke Kennard is a good shooter from deep. S- uh, Steven Adams, who's out for the playoffs, looks like. I hate that for him. Brandon Clark, who's out for the playoffs. Like, where do they go in clutch time? And they struggled a lot last season, if you remember, against my Warriors in the second round. Lost a close game in game one, lost a close game in game four, and lost a relatively close game, had a chance to win in game six. I feel like that's going to rear its ugly head back for the Grizzlies. That's why I've never bought into them as a contender since about uh, about the time the, the, the new year rolled around. And finally, the Denver Nuggets, their biggest weakness is teams will attack Jokic defensively. And I'm not saying this to pick on Nikola Jokic, but if you talk about a, D, a Denver team that was not all that great defensively, certainly for a number one seed, um, finished the season kind of cold down the stretch, that is a concern. Uh, Nikola Jokic, if you remember the last couple of years against my Warriors last year and against the Suns in 2021, heck, against the Lakers in 2020, teams always try and get Jokic in the pick and roll. And he can't stay with the best guards in the NBA. He can't. He's remarkable offensively. He's not bad defensively, but he just cannot stay with the best uh, the best offensive uh, players in basketball. I think that's gonna be I think that's gonna be something the smart coaches again. We'll see who Denver plays. It'll be the OKC or Minnesota. How they attack him, how they choose to attack him, I think that's something that could cost the the Denver Nuggets in the long run and cost them a shot to compete for a championship. So, hang on a minute. That is my NBA playoff weaknesses. And again, we'll go back over it. Uh, again, I wasn't able to get the Bulls on there, so it'll look bad if the Bulls don't win uh, tomorrow, or the Bulls win tomorrow and make the playoffs. Uh, but but my, I think my weakness for the Bulls was that they are uh, that they're not good enough defensively because they're they're not a good defensive team. Uh, but then Atlanta Hawks, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Miami Heat too reliant on Jimmy. Atlanta Hawks atrocious defensively. Brooklyn Nets, no elite shot creators. New York Knicks, Thibodeau teams are gassed once the playoffs roll around. Cleveland Cavaliers, too young to contend. Philadelphia 76ers and beats health, Harden's mentality, and Doc's history. Boston Celtics, Tatum's aggressiveness in big spots. Milwaukee Bucks, what do you get from Chris Middleton? Oklahoma City Thunder, too reliant on Shea. Uh, let's see, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves coaching and lack of depth. Uh, the Lakers, which is not on here. I, I had to, to move a spot for it to get the Clippers on here. But the Lakers was AD's mentality, essentially. You worry about AD's mentality in the playoffs. Golden State Warriors, not as good defensively as years past. Los Angeles Clippers, Kawhi and PG's health and Westbrook's playoff history. 
Phoenix Suns, Black Cat Chris, Sacramento Kings, the Kings of offense and the Peasants of defense, Memphis Grizzlies, no identity in clutch time, and then Denver Nuggets, teams will attack Jokic defensively. Those are my playoff weaknesses coming into the NBA playoffs in 2023. It's going to be fun, man. The playing games have already been fun. I went two and two of my playing predictions. I, again, nope, I'm not predicting any playoff games or playing games tonight. I'll do that on tomorrow's show, which, by the way, just heads up ahead of time is going to be a little bit earlier at 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific time, wherever you uh, are on Twitter and on YouTube. But last segment, last segment of the day, we're going to stick in the NBA. We're going to try and get the background music back once again before we do. NBA awards, something we all talk about, particularly the MVP. But listen, there are other topics of discussion. Coach of the year, sixth man of the year, rookie of the year. There's plenty of guys that are or have put together compelling cases for all of the above. I'm going to give you who I think. If I had a vote, I need to do a segment. I got if I were a bet man, but I also need to get that segment. Uh, if I had a vote, like all star, not all star vote, uh, MVP vote, NBA regular season award vote. Uh, I will give you who I think should win each individual award. And not just that, for the first time in Carving It Up Live, I will give you my first, second, and third all-NBA team. So let's go ahead and get the background music back on. We will start... All right. We will start with a new award in the NBA this season, which, listen, I'm usually not a fan of the NBA adding new awards. This, to me, is a is great. I love it. The Clutch Player of the Year. It's fitting. We just had Ryan Flowers on Clutch Sports Talk. Uh, the Clutch Player of the Year in the NBA. Who do I think should win it? To me, it's not even close. It's De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings, okay? De'Aaron Fox is a guy who was first in the NBA in clutch time points, shot over 50% from the field, and the Kings had a winning record in clutch time this season. Again, I, I again, I love this award. I think NBA players should get more credit for when they come up big in the biggest moments when their team needs them the most. De'Aaron Fox, to me, did that more than any team, uh, any player in the NBA this regular season. De'Aaron Fox would be my clutch player of the year. Moving on to the sixth man of the year, plenty of good candidates. I know a lot of people are talking about Emmanuel Quickly of the New York Knicks. I'm going to stay out east, but I'm going to go to Boston with the Celtics. To me, the sixth man of the year is Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon is the guy who averaged 14 off the bench. He was, to me, just what the doctor ordered uh, for the Celtics. They needed a true point guard. He provided it off the bench. Again, his assist numbers aren't going to blow you away, but they needed a guy to get them in and out of sets. He was able to do that all season long for him. Again, not to mention, you know, he's doing so with remarkable efficiencies. 87% from the line. He's nearly 50% from the field and over 40% from three-point range. He's always been an efficient player, and that's exactly what the Celtics need, especially to cut down the turnovers, which really did them in in the finals against the Warriors last year. He, to me... Uh, uh, Malcolm Brogdon is the sixth man of the year. Moving on to the rookie of the year. A guy that I didn't love but liked out of the draft. It is indeed the number one overall pick. Paolo Bancaro of the Orlando Magic, to me, is the rookie of the year this year. Again, you consider a guy coming out of Duke. There's a lot of skepticism. Like, dang, the Magic. I remember doing the draft show with Mike and Barry. And we were all kind of shocked that the Magic didn't take Jabari Smith that they took Paolo Bancaro, number one. Listen, got nothing bad to say about him now. 20 points a game, seven rebounds, four assists. His offensive game still needs some polishing, still needs some work, but you're talking about exactly what Orlando needed. A guy who could score, score with 
not great efficiency, a little bit of a volume score, but he can clean that up. He can fix that as time goes on. But the the blueprint has been laid out. The 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 foundation is there for some for somebody that the Magic can build around and see if they can continue to to put together a team to try and get back into postseason contention. This is your guy. And again, there's been plenty of other rookies. Walker Kessler had a good season, but to me, Paolo Bencaro, absolutely uh, the the rookie of the year in the NBA. And so, Jazz fans are going to be maybe mad at me that I didn't give their guy rookie of the year. So I'll make them feel better. I will give their guy most improved player of the year. That is to me easily Laurie Markkinen. Okay, Laurie Markkinen was a guy who's traded from Cleveland. There was concerns about whether or not, you know, he was part of a, a long-term rebuild. And when you talk about, again, the award is most improved player. And this is a guy pulling up his numbers now from last year in Cleveland uh, to this year in Utah. He averaged, his points average went from 15 a game to 26 a game. I mean, he was really the Jazz's number one option offensively. They have plenty of other scores. Uh, you know, Colin Sexton, they've got Taylor Horton Tucker. But, you know, this this is this is their guy. Good three-point shooter, can put it on the floor. Uh, he's somebody who I think the Jazz can build around. Again, they've got a plethora of draft picks. You, we know Danny Ainge loves his draft picks. Well, this is a guy that he can pair with the guys that he drafts uh, in, in the coming years. Laurie Markkinen had a fantastic year. I think he's the runaway most improved player in 2023. Our only award that has already been given out, and I think it was given out to the right guy, it is to me, by a mile, Mike Brown of the Sacramento Kings. Mike Brown, longtime assistant coach with my Golden State Warriors, loved that guy, brought a real defensive intensity to the Warriors in the, uh, the six years that he was there, goes to Sacramento and totally changes the culture. This is a Kings team that, need I remind you, this is their first playoff appearance since 2006. You know how different the world was back in 2006? I don't think, I mean, I don't think the iPhone was a thing in, in 2006. Now we can't get our faces off of it. Totally different America, totally different world. And Mike Brown was able to do that with a team that had little to no expectations coming into the season. But he got the absolute best out of his best players, guys like Darren Fox, Devonna Sabonis, and a solid bench. Again, best offense in terms of efficiency in NBA history. A little surprising how horrendous they were in the defensive end. But to put the Sacramento Kings in a and a crowded West in the three seed hats off to Mike Brown did a fantastic job. And, and, you know, again, he was awarded according to Woj earlier today, the coach of the year. Well-deserved. I don't think even think it's close. The guy for OKC did a good job. Again, there's plenty of other candidates out there, but to me, Mike Brown's the runaway coach of the year in 2023. But the award we all care about at the end of the day is the most valuable player. And it came down to the wire this year, but I think it's easy. It's Joel Embiid. It's Joel Embiid. This is a guy who was in the MVP running the last two years and both times was denied by Nikola Jokic. I thought, you know, I, again, I, I didn't think he should have won in 2021 or 22. I thought Steph Curry should have won in 2021. I thought Giannis should have won it last year. But when you consider the numbers that this guy's putting up, 33 a game with 10 rebounds, shooting 55% for the field, He's got as 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 good a bag as there is in the NBA in history among centers. Not saying he's better than certain other guys like you know Shaq and Kareem and Akeem, all guys like that, Russell. But you consider he's got a jump shot. He's got a good fadeaway shot. Uh, he's obviously as dominant as there is of anybody down low. Uh, again, he can score almost at will. He's tremendous on the defensive end of the floor. Again, 
bullied Jokic. Their only matchup this year back in January bullied the two-time MVP and played well uh, in his matchups against Giannis this year. And again, to me, what separated him and Giannis, who I think should finish second for MVP, again, I take the V word very seriously. Valuable. Giannis, no question his value to Milwaukee. But this year, the Bucs had a winning record without Giannis. Okay, the Sixers are a no-show without Joel Embiid. Uh, to me, he is absolutely the most valuable player this season. Uh, so uh, get, so go and recap the awards, and then I'll get to my first, second, and third All-NBA team. So Clutch Player of the Year, the new award, which I love, by the way. Clutch Player of the Year is De'Aaron Fox. Sixth Man of the Year, Malcolm Brogdon. Rookie of the Year, Paolo Bancaro. Most Improved Player, Laurie Markkinen. Coach of the Year, Mike Brown. And MVP, Most Valuable player is Joel Embiid. Now, this is what's fun. I think I'm going to turn the music off for this one because th- this is this is very intense stuff, okay? So, the All-NBA teams, first, second, third. Uh, this These are incredibly important because th- making these lists is the difference between players getting max contracts and not. Like, you saw, saw a story about Jalen Brown the other day in Boston and, you know, Hoping he gets a max deal, cross his fingers. Does he get on the NBA, the All NBA list? Does he not? And I, I think this more than MVP is the most pressure put on the media when it comes to report to, to voting for MVP. It's why I've always said I think only select members of the media, like the best of the best, of the best, should get votes, and then I think it should be coaches and players. That's my opinion. That's who I think should be able to vote for these awards, uh, including the All NBA team. So. I'm going to start, go and put up my first team All-NBA. Okay, first team All-NBA. These, these to me, the best guys at every position. Uh, and and I'll, I'll explain why I'm putting them in certain spots. So first team All-NBA, my first team All-NBA. Point guard, I got Steph Curry. Shooting guard, Jason Tatum. Small forward, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Power forward, the guy who I think should win MVP, Joel Embiid. And then center, Nikola Jokic. Now, people are asking some questions. They're like, why on earth is are Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid who play the same position on this list? Here's why. They give you the option. Okay, they give you the option to choose a player on a similar position. Again, we're moving more and more towards a positionless NBA as time goes on. But to me, if you had to ask, Jokic has has been so unique to the NBA because he's a point center, which has never really been seen in the NBA, ever. Certainly to the degree that Jokic has been doing it uh, in his time in Denver. Embiid plays more like a power forward to me than Jokic does. I, I think it's a crime that Embiid finished second team All-NBA the last couple of years. I think the top three guys for MVP, uh, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, all of them, all of them earned the right to be in the first team All-NBA. And I think what Steph Curry did, again, it, people aren't talking about this. We talk about how LeBron is aged, and he has aged as well as any star in sports history. So is Steph Curry. Steph Curry just finished the greatest age 35 season Ever in NBA history, 29-6-6 on 49% shooting from the field, almost the 50-40-90. Again, uh, over 40%, I think 42-43% from three. And again, considering how many attempts Steph takes from long range, that's incredible. And like 91-92% the free throw line, Steph was remarkable this season. Arguably one of the best seasons of his career. Probably top three seasons of Steph Curry's uh, illustrious career. 
And Jason Tatum, I've got in there because, listen, the man averaged 30 uh, on, on one of the best offenses, one of the best teams in the NBA. I can't just snub him for the first team. So that's my first team on the NBA. Second team, all NBA. Point guard, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Shooting guard, Damian Lillard. Small forward, Kevin Durant. Power forward, LeBron James. And center, Anthony Davis. Here's why. So for point guard, again, I don't think we're giving Shea Gilgis-Alexander enough credit for what he's done this season. This is an Oklahoma City team that was expected by many, including myself, to be tanking. If they win a basketball game tomorrow, Oklahoma City is in the playoffs. That is stunning. What Shea Gilgis has done, averaging over 30 a game. Again, the guy gets better every single year in the NBA. He distributes well. Again, he's got good size for a guard. To me, he's absolutely second-team All-NBA. Again, I would vote him in fourth place, even over Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell, fourth place for MVP, because I think if you take the word valuable into play, you've absolutely got to put Shea Gilgis uh, in, 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 that, in that spot uh, for me as the point guard. I put Damian Lillard on there uh, for this reason. Again, we, we talk about guys, LeBron missed a lot of time due to injury, so did Anthony Davis, so did Steph Curry, so did Kevin Durant. Again, three of those four guys are on the second-team All-NBA list. Folks, Dame averaged 32 and 7. Like, can, can we can we just stop back and look at that for a minute? Dame averaged 32 and 7. He had a 71-point game this year. You can say it's, it's Houston. Okay, it was against Houston, but the man did score 71 points in an NBA basketball game. That's sort of impressive. That's sort of impressive. Dame has to be on this list. He was durable. Again, the only time he didn't play was when Portland sat him out when they didn't have anything to play for. So Damian Lillard is absolutely on this list, a uh, second-team All-NBA. Kevin Durant, had he played more games, would not have only been on first-team All-NBA. He would have been arguably the most valuable player in the league. Kevin Durant just finished. I put this on my social media. It's remarkable. Maybe the most efficient season in NBA history. The first time a player, we talk about 50-40-90. Like, that's the ultimate mark of an efficient player. Like, guys like Steph's done it. Kyrie did it one year. Larry Bird's done it. A Steve Nash did it. Like, it's hard to do that. Kevin Durant one-upped it. He shot 55, 40, 90. 55% from the field, over 40% from three, over 90% from the line. Listen, I've always called KD the most gifted, not the best, not the greatest, the most gifted offensive talent in the history of the NBA. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants on the offensive end of the floor. He's got the crossover, could shoot over anybody, got the three, the mid-range, getting to the line, getting to the rim. He's he's literally unguardable. If you had to create a player in NBA 2K and get a 99 offensive rating, it'd be Kevin Durant. It's as simple as that. He's unguardable. LeBron, can we just take into account in year 20 what LeBron James just did? LeBron James in year 20 in the NBA, when the all-time leading scorer for year 20 in the NBA was the late, great Kobe Bryant with 18 points a game. And that year, Kobe shot 37% from the field. LeBron James this season for the Los Angeles Lakers in year 20 averaged 29, 8, and 7 on 50% shooting. He, Father Time is undefeated. He always will be undefeated. Man, he just... He just got the crap beat out of him and, and barely survived Tom Brady. He is in another battle with LeBron James. Actually, matter of fact, they made the commercial. Jason Momoa as, as, as Father Time, which I love those. I wish they make more of those. But that's 
that's the reality of what LeBron James is. Again, became the all-time leading scorer this year, was one of the best all-around players in the NBA, uh, absolutely second-team All-NBA. And Anthony Davis. Listen, I've been critical of AD this year. I cannot deny the production. Okay, Anthony Davis this season averaged 20, yeah, 26 and 12 and a half rebounds on 56% for the field. That's hard to ignore. Okay, AD, some of his best games this year were some of the best games offensively and defensively in the NBA this season. Again, I, like I said, when AD's on, he's probably the best player on the court, depending on who the, the Lakers are playing. Almost always. I mean, he had a game where he outdueled Giannis, remember back in December? Like, AD's tremendous. It's all about his mentality. So second team All-NBA, AD belongs there. Now, the most controversial is always third-team All-NBA because of, it's about who you leave off the list. Uh, but let's see, do we have it right here? Uh, yes, yes, we've got it. I put Luka Doncic, De'Aaron Fox, Jalen Brown, Kawhi Leonard, Demonis Sabonis. People are going to talk about Donovan Mitchell. The only reason Donovan didn't make the list. Luka, again, people are going to say, how do you put Luka on over Donovan Mitchell? The guy you know missed the playoffs. Folks, Luka, Luka Doncic averaged 32, 8, and 8 on 50% shooting from the field. I can't ignore that. Darren Fox was the best player on the best offense and was the most clutch player of the NBA this season. Can't ignore that. Jalen Brown, second best player on arguably the second best team in the NBA, averaging over 25 a game. Can't ignore that. And then the two other guys I had, Debonis Sabonis at the center spot, and uh, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi averaged 23-24 game, great defense, great efficiency, the whole bit. I love Donovan Mitchell, but that's my All-NBA teams list. First team All-NBA. Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Second team All-NBA. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. And finally, third team All-NBA, Luka Doncic, De'Aaron Fox, Jalen Brown, Kawhi Leonard, Debonis Sabonis. There you go. Those are my award winners, and those are my uh, first team All-NBA, first, second, and third All-NBA lists. All righty. So there you go. Man, that was a that was a fun show. That, big, big thanks to Ryan for coming on. That Again, that's all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. And a big thank you to Ryan Flowers for coming on the show to talk all things NFL draft. Listen, the guy is absolutely grinding when it comes to watching the tape. But that's just, listen, he's a, he, let's see, served this country. He's, 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 you know, phenomenal human being. So am I shocked that he's doing the work that he's doing? Of course, I'm not shocked. Uh, that's, that's, that, that's, that's Ryan Flowers for you. That's why I love having him on the show, loving having him as a friend and love having him as a teammate here at the grid. Uh, but again, carving up live, we'll be back tomorrow. Again, weird time for Friday. Sorry for the inconvenience, but four Eastern one Pacific on Twitter and the Carving It Up YouTube channel, and the Grid YouTube channel. Be sure to like, share, comment, take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe at, to the aforementioned Grid Podcast Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Network on YouTube. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google, anywhere you get your podcast. Anywhere, however you want it, wherever you want it, we've got it here at the Grid Network. Anywhere you get your podcast. 
and get incredible content creators. Saw Patrick Brown in the comments, the Chaotic Sports Podcast, and the Forum Lakers Podcast, uh, which is new, just added to the grid. Barry Grant Jr. is in the comments, the All Even Podcast. Be sure to check his stuff out. Uh, let's see who else we got. We've got, Ryan. obviously mentioned Ryan Clutch Sports Talk, Alfred Parsar Jr. of the Metropolitan Report, and the Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast, putting out incredible content right now. The Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast, Anth, Adam, Alex do an awesome job uh, up north in Canada. Big, big Cowboys fans, absolute, you know, blast. One of these days, I'll need to, I'll need to go to Canada and, and do a show with those guys. They're absolute best. Uh, Parnell of the Commander's Demand Podcast, the newest member to the Grid Network, is putting out great stuff right now. Check his content out. I think that's everybody. Yeah, I think I got everybody at the Grid. Don't want to miss anybody. Uh, obviously, Mike Guido's the Grid. Jamel uh, Crothers, who was on the show about a month ago to talk March Madness. He writes some incredible pieces for the Grid's website, so check his stuff out as well. All right. Have a great evening, evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And definitely, most definitely, please call your state representatives and senators to demand change regarding gun violence in America. Uh, we are starting to see some progress here in Tennessee, although it's not where it needs to be. But we're starting to see some progress. Thanks a lot to the protesters and to those who made their voices heard in the streets and continue to make their voices heard in the streets. Please keep doing what you're doing. Do not let up. Keep your foot on the gas and demand change because change is needed. Everybody stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Drafts in two weeks, baby. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.